Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favourite time of the week. And as part of the Inspiring Leadership series, I'm very lucky to have Barry Lehe, MBE. And Barry has cracked a huge amount of things in his life. I'm very impressed by all that he has already done by the age of 45. Um, but his MBE was for services to international trade. Uh, he's a managing director of his own business, which is a family business. and. He's done a huge amount, as well as being a really high-level 800-meter runner in his early life. So, very welcome. It's great having you on the uh, Nice to on be the here, Jonathan. Thank you. Um, we were talking um, about people who've inspired you, and um, who would you like to recognize as sort of shaping the leader you are today? I think we... We have to I think most of us go back to to parents, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm no different in that respect. I uh, I had some parents that believed in me, and I think in return that inspired me to to impress and, and wanting to deliver. I think it's a natural uh, phenomenon to want to to impress y your parents, and uh, they treated me right, and there was a lot of discipline there mm -hmm. uh, for sure, and. Uh, the, the morals and the, the social understanding that they gave me, I think it inspired me to to, to, to do better in an early life. Yep. And I think I jumped on that treadmill early, mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. And you, you, you talked about athletics and, uh, you know, they were, they were great at sport and, right. and they inspired yeah. me. And, you know, I think I saw... Um, I saw Sebastian Coe break the world record in 1981, 141.73, on the television. We were on holiday. And I believe, and I was seven, and I asked my father, can I go out running with him the next day? Really? And from then on, you know, I believe many children, you know, the football player's name on the back of their shirts, they have it for a, a few weeks or yeah. a few months. But I was obsessed to become the next Sebastian Coe. So, so, so and it's interesting, this, this, um, this drive, because I see this drive and obsession in you, but also somebody else you said really shaped you early on and made you believe in yourself and what mattered and what to do to improve yourself. Tell me about your... PE teacher. Okay, so there's a there's a gentleman that I, I have told since, but um, someone who who got hold of me uh, at the age of I would have been 16, mm -hmm. and he's he was an A level PE teacher, and uh, I'm sure he's changed many people's lives. But he was the gentleman. That What's his name? Do you mention his name? Or yeah, that, no, no, I'd, I'd happily tell you. I'll say it to camera. It's Jeff Caffey, and, and I appreciate uh, everything he did. And I actually wrote to him a, a couple of years ago when I received the MBE to tell him that actually. Well. Um, what did he do to... He sat me you? down and uh, told me to... Uh, almost reined me in, yeah? Because when you're 16 and you're, you're, you're fit and athletic and uh, you, you feel like you're, you're, you know the world, he sat me down and told me to read about the world. Right. And literally every day from that point, I read The Times. Really? You know? And to the point of OCD, which yeah. I guess also creeps into my persona yeah you know and oh, yeah uh, most most successful men and women are quite obsessive about what they do yeah so okay so so he was important and then and then we were talking about you know 
leadership and we have to this balance of not getting carried away with believing our own smoke and one of the things that's always a good grounder is when we make mistakes and we admit mistakes and we learn from them what what would be your story of of a mistake you've made and what you learned from it to be a better leader okay well i've made hundreds of mistakes um probably in in trying to be very textbook in the early part of my career and and it was all about, and I'm a big believer in empowerment, yeah. right? And I believe that 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 drives engagement. Um, however, trying to map out somebody's vision. So a, a real example would be a, a lady that I worked with. I definitely had a vision uh, for her, and I would coach, cajole, motivate, and uh, and and push and help yeah. them along their way down a certain path. But did she and, think and it was helping? <laughs> no, I think initially, but I was almost obsessive around that, yeah. uh, and and it and it pushed her out. You know, yeah. it pushed her away from me, which um, I may not have much emotion, but hurt deep inside mm. that they didn't want to follow my vision. And you know, and that, from what I learned from that is, you know, you have your vision; other people have visions. Yes, you know, great leaders have great visions. But it doesn't mean that people who are working for you, with you, have that same vision. And yeah. that's what about you know surrounding yourself by people that want to be on yeah. your journey, etc. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, before we um, go into your top tip, your your leadership top tip, I mean you've packed a lot in already. Just in in a, a short little capsule, just give us a flavour of some of the things you've been doing over the last few years and the things you're 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 proudest of. Okay, well. I- Playdale has to be my number one driver. I'm managing director at Playdale. Uh, we are a very, uh, we're, we're steeped in history, nine generations as a family firm, and I'm, I'm the first person uh, within that firm to not be from the family to run it, and uh, which leads to all types of um, little intricacies. And uh, however, we'd always been in the UK, never mm. operated outside these shores. You know, Great Britain really was Great Britain, and. Uh, I had the aspirations to become a global business. And I, in the last 10 years, I visited over 60 countries, 600 flights, and we're now trading in 49 countries. And we're seen as an exemplar in the UK. That's great. You know, and this is a UK manufacturer from Cumbria. And was, this, was this how you got your MBA? This was, yeah. You yeah. Know, for, and, and, and from that, and I, and I, I don't know, I don't want to shout, but other people then ask for advice. And I've probably, I don't know, a couple of hundred businesses I've actually sat down with in the Northwest, UK. And, so uh, Cumbria is where it's based. Yeah, and, and help them along that journey. Because yeah. I'm a big believer as well of, of, of paying forward or paying back. Yep. And, and, and if people ask for help, then, then you get it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it allows me, it, it, that's what satisfies me. I get most satisfaction about seeing other people develop and that includes other businesses i think that's great okay and then the other thing was um as we sort of develop ourselves you you did say to me it's it's quite interesting that you're quite a modest quite a shy guy but yet at the same time you've been taught by coaches and people you have to to put on a a good front how do you how do you manage that sort of paradox in there's one part of us but yet we try and boost ourselves another way how how do you manage that um I, i do an awful lot of mental rehearsal yeah. And I mean, that's what I've been coached into. To, to I do an awful lot of planning. So I will, I will, 
And I think that's that, that, that's a good and bad thing because the brain doesn't get much time to switch off. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm very methodical in what I am doing and what my preparation is around it. Yeah. And therefore, my downtime allows me to be that shy guy. Mm-hmm. That's important to have the downtime. And, and a number of, actually, there's a disproportionate number of managing directors like you and CEOs who are more introverts than extroverts or ambiverts, that's sort of somewhere in the middle. People always think they're always going to be very extrovert. They're not. They're actually yeah. quite reflective people. And, and in their downtime, they need often to be quiet and, and on their own to recharge, yeah. ready to go out. Yeah. and talk to lots of people as you have to do. So final tip, what would be your leadership top tip that you'd share with uh, um, the audiences? Make every day count. Mm-hmm. You know, be the best person you can be every day because and, and because if you're not, then that's when status quo sets in. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you're a leader, you, you, you can't be happy with status quo. You know, you've got to continually be disrupting and moving forward because the second you stand still, you're actually going backwards mm-hmm. because the world around us is progressing all the time. That's very good. In fact, I love that bit of advice. And I was just, um, someone said to me that, I think it's Jack Welsh said that when the pace of change inside your organization is slower than the pace of change outside your organization, then your organization is going to die. Yeah. So you need to keep the pace up. So that fits with your yeah, advice. Yeah. And he's one of my yeah. great business leaders that inspires me. So that Brilliant. makes sense. So Barry, thank you very much indeed. Great having you, thank you. on the program. I'm sure everybody will enjoy what you have shared. Thank and uh, I look forward to our Inspiring Leadership Extra. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to Inspiring Leadership Extra. Barry, it's great to have you back. Um, We are talking about interesting sort of early life. You're rightly proud of your working class roots and your family and and the hard work that they had. Tell me a bit about what it was like, because it was, you know, it was tough at times, but dad worked in BAE Systems, I think is one of the... Grandfather grandfather. worked in BAE Systems. Tornado, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in charge of the tornado design. Yeah, so tell us a bit about early life and how it shaped you as a leader. So my my father, who who would be a a big figure in my life, like I'm I'm sure many people's father were, he was um, very much into his discipline. He was um, a mechanical fitter who worked down uh, the mines. And uh, my mother was an administrator within the NHS, and we, we didn't have an awful lot. Um, however, it was a very happy time. Yeah. Um, I'm the eldest of three. Um, I, I still don't know how we managed to make you know a, a tin of um, fruit last two meals and, and, and things like that. But at the time, you don't notice that, do you? You, mm. you, you, but you remember it, and, and some of the holidays that, that we went on were, were just fantastic. But... We, we were very grateful at what we got because I think we had very, very little looking mm-hmm. back. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the miners' strikes in the early 80s, mid-80s. That must have been tough. It was tough, you know. And, and, and presume Dad was on strike, was he? Yeah, he was. And, you know, he was doing odd jobs to to just keep the house going. And, and this was in Wigan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's a mining town. And, uh, yeah, it was tough, you know. I was the, I was the kid that was walking... Just you know, in the summer holidays for free meals and, and things like that. And mm. but we never wanted for anything. And I think that's what made me realise. I think that's what inspired me. You know, I, I realised what they were doing. They dedicated their lives to the children. 
Do you have a family of your own now? I do. I have a young daughter, and yeah. uh, Arabella, who's yeah. uh, coming up to five, and and that that's that's something that drives me with her. I think I as well. Say, you know, I, yeah. I'm I'm on this planet now to provide for my family. Yeah. You know what is one of you know what is my purpose? Well, I think the one of the underground. Um, the bottom characteristic on that ladder, if you like, if you built my characteristics on top, is I'm here to provide for my family. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah there's lots yeah. of other things above it, maybe, but that is the anchor. And also now, I am impressed by the amount of other organisations. As managing director of your own company, you give a lot of advice and wisdom to other companies. Um, tell, tell me about that legacy that you're leaving. You know, what what kind of buzz it gives you, and what you've heard it others appreciate about. The, yeah. uh, the wisdom you share and experience you share? Um, well, I only share it if asked. I, I, I think that's, um, you know, a lot of people tell me maybe this is what you should go into professionally. And it's, I, I kind of enjoy being asked to do it rather than go out and, and farm those opportunities, if you like. Um, I, I just get a, a very natural buzz out of, of seeing others develop. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I will go out of my way to help them, and there's probably hundreds of businesses, especially around international trade, um, up in the the northwest predominantly. But uh, you know, I, I represent down in London quite a lot also. But stay, stay with that for a moment. I mean, you, you know, we've obviously going about to um, have Brexit. Mm. Um, you know, are you hopeful for the future for Britain um, with you know your international trade that you're doing? What, what's your, what's your sort of? Yeah. If you were prime minister, how how would you get? Britain trading well around the world. I've been invited to be with him on Monday morning, which I think is going to be his first um, speech after Brexit. Um, Of course, I'm hopeful, right? However, I'm very realistic that I think uh, uh, being British, we have a a belief that we have a, a right to do well. And I, uh, and I know your, your, your military background, um, would be able to put me on the right path with this. But for my brief history is, you know, we really do get going when our back's up against the wall. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and I hope this is what Brexit does. Yeah. You know, I think as a nation, we've all got a little bit comfortable as, as a country, you know, and we've we've had our challenges over the last few decades, but in the main, we're a, we're a comfortable country and, and we've lost the ability to develop at speed. Yeah. And I think this is going to force, you're going to have wheat from chaff, you're going to have all of those kind of things. And I think it's going to, I'm hoping it kickstarts mass entrepreneurship. It, mm. it kickstarts the desire to survive yeah. because a crisis often delivers yeah. out of it something good. I and mean, you almost have to go to that crisis yeah. point you're right. to come and out of it. Someone was telling me... Um, that the, the word crisis in Chinese has two symbols. One is one is danger, okay. but the other is opportunity in a crisis. And so there is both danger and there's opportunity. And on the control risks um, conversation with Richard Fenning, he was talking about, you know, how much do people cope with risks and do they avoid them? And some other leaders have been talking about sometimes, um, Fiona Lambert was talking about in, in retail, she has to, in clothing, she has to make take risks yeah. and, and choose that this year is going to be black and it's going to skirts are in and trousers are out. She may have got it wrong, but they sometimes have to commit themselves, and you do in business. Let's go back to some of the early people um, who shaped you. So family, uh, big, um, 
influence on your father, you know, encouraging you when you saw Roger, um, was it, no, Steph, oh, Steph, Steph, Co, Steph, Steph Co, you know, you know, going out for a run with Dan, things like that. Um, what about, I'm really interested in that, um, that PE teacher who really encouraged you to read. Say a bit more, tell us a bit more about that and, and how it's given you that drive and you learned so much from that period you were telling me. I did, and um, he was a, a, a very moral, very uh, traditional, straight-laced gentleman um, that didn't accept um, fools, didn't suffer fools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I was foolish. However, I was um, a 16-year-old that was that was capable in, in my mm-hmm. sport, mm-hmm. and he um, very quickly took charge of me and spoke to me um, honestly. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've taken through my career, and, and saying as it is, and um, you know, and sat me down and, and, and pointed out that you know I could be far more articulate, and if I'm going to be, if I'm going to go anywhere in this world, that you've got to have the ability to articulate, and and if you want to become a leader, you've got to be a, a reader. And we talked about that, and and it, he, he insisted uh, as part of our daily coursework that we read the Times newspaper. And, uh, and to start did. with the history of sport and because I was told to I'm a conformist I did do you know and um, and, and that's, that's probably developed into some uh, you know habits that I may rather not have but, but to, to, no but stay because this is the most sort of natural kind of conversation I'm really enjoying it we both talked about the fact that both of us can be a bit obsessive uh, and my wife laughs at me because you know I get carried away with certain things maybe from my military background of keeping things tidy or whatever but but where does it pop out in you your sort of uh, ocd tendencies obsessive tendencies what where does it come out and, and how um, do you manage it? it it's around work so yeah. as a, so as a junior like i said i was a, a failed athlete I, I wanted to be Sebastian. But failed. Joe. You went. You went to where was the, the, the highest I, level? I'd I, I, run at national level. You know, in the eight hundred meters. Yeah, longer distances when I was younger, and, and I finished around there. And I had some very successful peers around me that were a few years older than me, and they went off to the Olympics and, and places like that. You know, so and what they inspired this, me. But staying with this running, it's very interesting because obviously uh, I wasn't of your standard, but I I um, did sort of mountain marathons and things like that. Um, what did long distance running or even medium distance running teach you that's stayed with you today you know as far as um, determination and leadership talent several things you know the, the, there's no shortcut to success mm, yeah. you know you have to do I'm a big believer in Gladwell and people like that these 10,000 hours you know I didn't know practice, I didn't yeah. know it back then that I had to do ten thousand hours. If I had, I'd probably have had a piece of paper on the wall and I'd have crossed out how many hours <laughs> I'd done. But um, and, and I'm not joking. I no, probably no, would I have, believe you. Know. I believe you. I wouldn't do it um, myself. But Still but I, you know, and and it taught me that you know, not quite good enough isn't quite good enough. Mm. You know, and I, and it taught me the difference between success and failure. And what and keeps I, and I, you going when you, because, you know, in those distance races you, you're doing, you could have pulled up or slowed down. Or, but you're, I, I do see in you a very determined yeah, leader. Uh, and, and what was the running? What did it teach you that you can bring into your, your leadership? Uh, I think it taught me discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And it also taught, gave me resilience. Yeah. You know, I, 
I, I lost more than I won, probably. Yeah. You know, and, and second is first loser. You know, and it still sits with me with that. And uh, so you're quite hard on yourself, are you? Unbelievably hard. But yeah. however, I think you know, again, that would be, you know, what was probably bred into me from an early age. And, and that would be pa- parents who, yeah. you know, who yeah. told you, you know, you were you were beat before you went onto the track. Yeah, oh, that's and, interesting. Well, it is interesting though, and it's something that that as you know, recovering obsessives, we need to keep working on. Mm-hmm. That it's great to have this drive determination, but we've just got to be careful. It doesn't get to the dark side where mm. we, like you described openly about perhaps you were pushing this other lady who didn't want to work in your way to that determination. She hadn't got that kind of obsession about it. It was too much for her. And sometimes we can, we can push ourselves. They, they say the sort of level of which we like ourselves is the level at which we like everybody else. So if we push ourselves hard, we're going to push others hard. So, how have you have you managed that bit? Because that could it could overwhelm other people, and they could in, in the modern day they could say that you know, you're pushing them too hard. Even some people might accuse us of bullying people or things like that. How do you manage yeah. not to push it too hard? Um, well, it, they 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 could and and they would, and and people have pushed away because of it. I gave you an example earlier. Um, I, I think that's an area that I've been coached on, an area that is. Um, you know, I've become this very um, active listener and, and to pick up where people are at. You know, I, I'm, I'm more than happily throw someone in in the deep end still. But, you know, maybe I'll be quicker to throw them the life, you know, the <laughs> lifeline and, and, and pull them back. But I think that's how people learn, but I'll never let anyone drown. But how do I um, ensure I don't go too far? I think that's experience. I think you, you, you see what buttons and how it's working with people. And, and constant reassurance and constant questioning. Yeah, you know, checking if, in. Yeah, it's just, you know, how is this? How are you? Yeah. And Barry, it's interesting. You, you were talking about what what uh, the drive and ambition that your father and grandfather <coughs> and mother, too, gave yep. you. Um, but also you said with that quite tough upbringing and the discipline from your parents, which these days wouldn't be allowed to, to be disciplined the way you were disciplined, um, you had to... To, to almost like um, switch off some of your emotions so you didn't feel things too much. And now, of course, you're having to learn to try and switch some of them back on, which is quite hard to do. So you've learned through practice and repetition and studying people and listening to them. So how, how have you learned to be more aware of other people, their emotions and feelings, reading the environment, reading the situation, even reading your own emotions better than you had when you were younger? What, what, did, sorry, what did you do? Um, what have you done? I've constantly educated myself from from a, an early age. You talked about the peer teacher and the reading. I was lucky enough to go on a, a development um, course in my early 20s, the company that I was working for when I finished my master's degree. And uh, the gentleman there... What was your master's in? What you did? It was in exercise science. Oh, right. And right. it's very relevant yeah. that it was in exercise science. And I, and I studied out in the US and I studied cool. out at the American College of Sports Medicine there. It was phenomenal. And um, however, I knew I wasn't going to make it as an athlete. So I wanted to make it into business. And when I started, it was, I'm going to be the best businessman I can be. And uh, I was lucky enough to be recognized and and, and put on this uh, development program, world-class development program, as they called it. And uh, I think I was the youngest by eight years on it. And the guy, Jeff Thomas, sat me down and, and, and said to me one evening, you know, I don't want you to hide your light under a bushel. 
And uh, I had no idea what that gentleman meant. <laughs> and, uh, and at that point, he says, and you also, you want, you want to be the next managing director of this business, don't you? And he says, well, let me just point something out to you. You, uh, you haven't got a business degree. And uh, I've obviously worked on that since. Oh, you've got but, one. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, you got an MBA. Yeah, it's, uh, and a I did a... Yeah, PhD, so, you're only a professor. Yeah, so I'm a professor now in strategy and innovation. Yeah. But um, no, he, he, he and, and and he said you've got to you've got to develop yourself, and, and and so then I started on textbooks. But when I have had the opportunity during my career, I've ensured I've had a coach of some sort. Yeah, all right, I, who who has who has developed me and helped me switch on these emotions. But a lot of it's textbook. A lot of it, what I'm very good is. Is is being uh, a chameleon to the to the situation that I'm in, um, and then being able to apply what I've learned. I'm a big believer in a leader has got to be able to come up with a strategic plan. Yeah. However, a very good leader is to be able to act on that strategic plan on their feet because, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell me there's there's military uh, connotations, but it's the plan is only the plan for the first moment. Yeah. All right. And a good leader needs to be able to think on his feet and think strategically, which is different than creating a strategic plan. And I think Mike Tyson, and you said we've talked about sayings. I think Mike Tyson was the guy that said, <laughs> everybody has a plan until someone punches you in the mouth. That's very true. You know, and, and, and you're right. The military used to say that um, General von Malk, no, no plan survives the first meeting with the enemy. Um, but planning, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. So have a plan, yeah. but just, as you said beautifully, think strategically so you can adapt to whatever comes. Mm. But you, you're clear about where you're ultimately trying to get. And the route there might be a bit unusual. Yeah. And, and that's how I've developed with people and my my skills or lack of skills in certain yeah. areas. You know, being able to work in my learnings into my areas of weakness. Yeah. And, and this is really interesting, you know, reading and studying, you know, all leaders are readers, but not all readers are leaders. That was the quote you, you said earlier. Um, how do you manage um, to, to keep your authenticity? Because if people feel they're, you know, someone's talking to them from a textbook or they're, um, they're getting you learning something, but it's not coming from the heart, it's not coming authentic, authentically at them. Um, have there been occasions where people have, have been wary of you because they're not sure they can kind of work you out? What, what you know, would the real Barry please stand up? Um, I, I'm sure there has been instances, but to reverse it a little bit, um, I think a lot of people realize I mean it because maybe I'm not as articulate as others, so it doesn't often sound like it's a textbook, it, it yeah. sounds like it's maybe uh been lost in translation at times <laughs> but it's the passion that i deliver it yeah. with yeah i get that is what people see and they see that in your eyes yeah i get that so I that. if people can see you in your eyes that you genuinely mean it i think they quite often warm to it if they want to or warm they to see it. you do it i mean you, yeah, you've led I'm, by example haven't you? I mean, i'm you, a big believer got, got in, out there on the airplane 600 flights and yeah. you've done the the 800 meter running and you've you've put the you've put the miles <clears> in so I think they're probably learning more from what you're doing rather than just what you're saying. And if what you're doing and what you're saying line up, they'll follow you, won't they? Yeah, and if they're, I'm a big believer in, you know, 
people even things like leaders eat last which i know is is, is huge at the moment but it was something the way i've been brought up so it's, it's, it, it's yeah. just you know but pe- people see that humility in someone then then they i think they start to understand that individual mm. you know if people say one thing but do another yeah very quickly you'll lose all credibility no i think that's very true you talked earlier about being uh, people would be quite surprised to know that you're quite shy mm. so tell us a bit more about that because i see you know you come across as very confident um full of energy and drive and you know you've just climbed this mountain done everest what's next i mean there's a there's a lot of drive in you so i haven't experienced that but but tell me about in the early days when you were shy and how you overcame it uh, said briefly before a lot of it's mental rehearsal it's a lot it's about stretching that elastic band yeah and i put myself in situations and maybe i was put in situations you know in a very very early age i don't know but i don't remember but i know i would you know make myself uncomfortable almost daily to to stretch that elastic band and i still and i still do that and if you stretch an elastic band enough it doesn't come back to its original shape, does it? No. You know, and, and, and I know it could snap, which would be a, a crisis moment maybe. Yeah, yeah. But um, maybe I've, had, I've been very lucky with my elastic band. But um, they, I make myself uncomfortable. I'm willing to, 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 to experience it and I enjoy it. You know, there's, there's, there's that little bit, the, the, somewhere in deep inside me, I, I want to be beasted. I want to be uncomfortable. You know, what I've not mentioned is that during my teenage years, all I wanted to be in was the SAS, you know, I, I, because it was discipline, conformity, and physical, Ultimate. you know, stress that someone could deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the guy that would be there at the end of training. I might have not been the best guy there, um, but if someone said go again, I went again. Yeah. yeah. You know, until, and there's no better feeling than taking yourself to the edge. No, I, and, I, I, and and coming back, and I've heard you talk about um, running up a mountainside or walking up a mountainside, and then seeing it and saying, "Come on, we're running and we're going," and you get that inner energy from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. and there's no better feeling of achieving. No, I could, I could, the, I could see you doing, goal. I could see you doing something like that. Yeah. And and you did touch on it. We spoke earlier about you know learning from our mistakes and uh, picking ourselves back up you talked about you know a lot of resilience that you learned from the running mm. and all that training and seeing other people succeed when you didn't get through to to the um the big money and the olympics and that kind of stuff what would you know i've, I've had some bleak moments in my life and learned a lot from them I, i've had some mental health challenges which i still struggle with now at times but what would you say would be the sort of a dark moment in your life and, and what did you learn from from that that's helped you be a better leader and more understanding for others when they have problems and perhaps um, mental health issues? What, what's been a dark moment for you? I, um, I worked for a large organisation in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. I um, was in charge of a couple of hundred staff in your, in your mid-20s and it was an environment that I was naive to enter it was an environment, it was complete meritocracy, which was fantastic. And I learned a lot of things around that, but it wasn't a professional environment. And I crave professionalism. And I think I struggled probably um, mentally uh, in that I couldn't understand why people 
weren't being transparent and honest. Yeah. And I was always brought up to be transparent and honest, you know, and, and uh, I'd, I'd tell everyone to be as, as honest as, as, well, be honest is, is one of the principles I live by. And I left that organisation after 18 months and I felt like a failure. Did you choose to or did they make you run um, well, we we got actually Since sold. Agreement. Well, oh, we right. got actually sold, and they they gave me the option to move um, about three hundred miles away, and I didn't yeah. really fancy it. I don't blame you. Um, but, but and you I saw that like as an opportunity. But I felt like a failure at that point because um, I wasn't necessary in that organisation. Yeah, and I and then and I struggled. I think I was out of work for three months. Yeah. Now I was probably. What did you learn from that? What did you learn from that? That. It's a competitive world out there, and yeah. it just reinforced this competitive world. And but it also reinforced that some things take time. Yeah. And even though you believe you're doing the right thing, so you know, I, I often say to people, I've worked probably eighty hours a week for the last twenty-four five years of my life. That's a lot of hours. It is a lot of hours, and I don't know if I'm at ten thousand hours yet. But, yeah, um, well, I think I work at seventy hours a week, and right. I think that's a lot. But you at eighty, that's yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, so uh, this this is important one. But you can't be an overnight success. No, this no, is what I'm you can't probably get into and what I learned. What I've seen is people like you and I working crazy hours, but we will eventually break if we're not careful. So, what do you do? Um, particularly around this area of looking after our mental, physical health. What do you do to look after yourself? Reach out. I mean, we talked about you being uh, introverted in some ways, but you've learned to be ambivert or even extrovert mm. on the surface. How do you recharge yourself, renew, refresh, so you don't break yourself and get just get burnt out? What, okay. what do you do? And have you ever been burnt out? Um, I, I probably have been burnt out. I think the resilience in me, though, um, just has picked me up and dusted myself off and I've gone again. Have I ever suffered a, a serious physical or mental breakdown? No, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm lucky, but um, have I come close to being totally burnt out? I mean, I went through my 20s and 30s and, and, and lots of peers told me that I'd have had a heart attack by the time I'm 40. Well, yeah. you know what, I'm, I'm still here and I keep touching wood and, uh, you know, but but I've got a fantastic, how have I prevented that? Yeah, what did you do for to, 20 to years? Turn what did you do to for 20 years, I've got a fantastic... Um, partner, my wife's a phenomenal rock, and it and it sounds a very a, a cliche that you know I'm behind every good man, but this individual helps me escape because you know is it opposite attract? I mean, she's a very successful business lady, but she will make friends in a lift. You know, I, I don't think I've spoken. I can count on my hand, or maybe just a couple of fingers, how many people I've spoken to on a plane on those six hundred flights. Really. And that's the shyness, you know, but that's also me being comfortable with my own company. Yeah. And I commute an hour. There's an hour's drive every day um, to the office when I'm in the UK yeah. and I'm going to the office, which is probably only two weeks of every month, but it's an hour each way. Well, I see that as, as switching off time, listening to podcasts, development time, but also just taking it down a level. It's like a cool down at the end of a physical yeah. training session. And then once a year, I try to do some kind of physical challenge and uh, we're at the beginning of the year, so I'm probably still two stones heavier than I am. But 18 months ago, I had um, probably one of the best experiences of my life on a physical challenge. And What did you do? Well, I've got to state up front, it was for charity and we raised £150,000. Wow. But um, I, I was 
challenge. It was called the Manchester Business Heavyweights White Collar Boxing. Uh, what? And I've never boxed in my life. Is something that I'll, <laughs> I'll point out. I've played an awful lot of rugby, but um, I've never been a boxer. And um, and the, obs- the obsessive obviously kicked in, and it was very, very serious and very, very well done. And, and once a week there was a, a training session for six months, uh, for three months. But right. Barry being Barry didn't want to lose, and I got paired with a guy who's wrote several books on martial arts and oh, he runs his own dojo and <laughs> been on television <laughs> fighting two people Barry. at once so yeah so at that point i thought there's a good chance i might lose and, uh, <laughs> and i don't want to do that so i i got obsessive and yeah. i joined three different boxing gyms and i was the rather large guy at the back with all these 15 year old lads who were allowed to knock 10 bells out of me right. i'm allowed to say that and i wasn't allowed to do it back and um yeah. The, the uh, anyway the 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 end point was, um, I had a plan, a very strategic plan. There was a lot of mental rehearsal. We went through that plan, and then he hit me in the mouth. Oh no! And fifty one seconds later, I think I was the first person ever in the series of this to knock a guy out. So uh, I was successful. And you knocked was, him out. Yeah, and it was which wow. is, it was meant to be impossible with 16 ounce gloves they told me at the beginning but uh, you knocked him out yeah well done unfortunately I hope he's alright he was fine he was fine he's, <laughs> he's, he's actually shocked he's actually the, the, the editor of the biggest business magazine in the north of England oh, and I used to well. feature quite a lot to that point <laughs> well that's very good so um, Barry we're coming to the end of our time and it's been fascinating we can chat for, for hours longer what would you leave um, the listeners with as your final um, short top tip on being a good leader in business um you 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 have to plan for you and you have to plan for others and uh, and once you have that plan make some you know work towards it every day Mm. just do not don't don't get comfortable with status quo and have a mantra almost Mm. you know of of what have i done today yeah Uh, you know and i'm sure there's some lovely songs that go around there but there's you know, and, and it's true though, what have you delivered today? And you mentioned it earlier, because if the outside world is moving faster than you and your world, you're going backwards. Yeah, great advice. And we'll leave it there. Barry, really enjoyed that. You shared some great personal stories. Um, I appreciate your vulnerability. Um, finally, just a, a question for you really, before we finish. You've listened to a few of the podcasts yourself, the other leaders. What, what, what sort of, if there was a theme that you picked up from the podcast of the different people who've spoken, what, what stood out for you or what particular person did you warm to uh, in the different podcasts that you heard? Um, I, I think there was an awful lot. You, I've listened to an awful lot of the, the military relationships that you've had and a lot of, of planning, but there seems to be an awful lot of mentoring during those people's careers. Mm. They, they talk quite passionately about certain individuals and um, I think it's important to to let yourself be mentored or inspired. Yeah, I think so. You can only be you, and yeah. that's important. But it, it's position yourself or align yourself to someone that you know can take you to another level. It's brilliant. Barry, thank you very much indeed. Thank really you. appreciate you being on the Inspiring Leadership series. And good luck with business and carrying on punching a few people in the mouth metaphorically. Thank you. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, 
or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.